Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on this Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now, as he does every Wednesday at this time, is our guy Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights at 9 p.m. Freddie, I'm glad to see you back on Twitter. You were I mean, First, <laughs> I thought you left willingly, but then did you get hacked or something and have to take a timeout or something? What happened? Yeah, some hacker named Metawin got a hold of my account before the holidays, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going on vacation. I'm very rarely on social media anyway, so I wasn't worried about it. But then when I got back, and I give Twitter support a lot of credit. They did everything they could to make sure that it was not going to be hacked again. But it just went through a long trial and error process before I finally got that fixed. So glad to be back on Twitter. No longer in exile, eating bread and water like I was in jail, so it's good to be back. <laughs> We're glad that you are back, but who's not back, apparently, is Tom Brady for the 2023 season. TB12 announcing his retirement again today. Are you buying this one is more legitimate than the last one? I'm completely buying it because the last time I still wondered if he wanted to be half in, half out. And he always said, Brady, that if he was not going to do it, it would be because it would be so hard to get ready for another season. So I'm completely buying this one. I don't think he would go on social media and let it be known because the last time it was leaked, he may not have made up his mind, but he may have let it be known to people. that you know I'm leaning towards retiring. So I think he wanted to make sure – it was going to be on his own terms. He was going to be in charge of the narrative and control that narrative. So I, I bought it last year, to be honest with you. I wasn't surprised last year, but I'm completely buying it this year because he made a point to put that out there and not have that leaked out to anybody else. You might be buying it, but are you surprised? You know, there was a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. There are good situations out there for him to enter and try to win a Super Bowl. Are you surprised that he made this decision? Nothing surprised me anymore, Brady, because it's gotten to a point that so many people stay around and stay around and hang around because they enjoy the limelight, they enjoy the spotlight. Tom Brady never seemed to be that kind of person. He's enjoyed the limelight and the spotlight. He enjoys being a celebrity. There's no doubt about that. But he never wanted to be a guy that retired one year too late. He would rather do it either on time, which I think is the perfect time, or one year too early. He wanted to make sure he gave everything he could to the game of football until he could not give any more. And I believe that's where he is. So nothing really surprised me about today's announcement, whether it's the timing or whatever that was. Although I wonder right now, Brady, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? Because he loves trying to usurp Tom Brady when it comes to attention. <laughs> now he won't have to have that anymore. So I wonder what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, not having that guy competing from a financial standpoint, a, an NFL standpoint, and also an attention standpoint. Apologies that this – I didn't hear this on ESPN. I heard this on the Dan Patrick Show. Hate to promote another network to you. But I think it came from Jeff Darlington of ESPN. And and the thought was that Brady needed this past year. And, you know, you're like you're always the last one to realize. You're the last one to realize when you should leave the party and that Brady kind of needed this year to see what maybe other people saw. Do you, do you buy that theory? A little bit, because whatever was going on in his personal life, football was his sanctuary. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That whatever was going on, unfortunately, that he and his wife got divorced, and you got to try to manage that different kind of minefield now. And I'm sure he never thought in a million years he had to do something like that. The one thing he could always count on was that he could get on a football field, go out there and play, and kind of get his yayas out to try to deal with that. Now that he's been able to understand that he can deal with that, he's been able to find that kind of comfort space in an uncomfortable situation. Now, not, that's not that he doesn't need football, but I think he needs something else in a different way when it's connected with football. Whether he goes to Fox and becomes the lead analyst on that network when he does NFL games or whatever that's going to be. 
But I completely buy that. I think that because of what was going on before the season, he needed to be on a football field to help him deal with what he was going through and eventually what the end result was involving his marriage. How do you think the Patriots should handle things with Brady? Do you want to see the the one-day contract? Do you want to see them retire his number next year? You've got to wait four years to get in the Patriots Hall of Fame. Do you want to see him waive that? How do you think the Pats handle things? They should definitely retire his number next year. I don't think you need to wait four years. If I had my way, Brady, he wouldn't wait five years to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I put him in this August because I think it's clearly obvious that he's going to go in, but why wait the five years? But I understand protocol as far as that goes. But if I'm doing the Patriots, you got to have a Tom Brady day or make it a Tom Brady week because you would not be this organization without him and Bill Belichick together, and they made that work for 20 years. So there's no need to wait for four years for a Patriots Hall of Fame. We know what he did. Have a whole Tom Brady week have a whole whole pomp and circumstance to do, have him play the New York Jets because he always beats them anyway <laughs> to do something like that as well. Make it an event because he deserves that for what he did, not only on the field, but off the field, making the Patriots matter on a national level because before he and Belichick got there, that was a sad sack organization. They'll have a winning season here and a winning season there. He made a championship organization and a storied franchise in the NFL. Speaking of your Jets, do you want to see them get Aaron Rodgers? And if they did, how could, do you think they are all of a sudden a favorite in the AFC? Well, I don't know. No, they would be the favorite in the AFC because I, last time I checked, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City are still around. But as much as that's very sexy, Aaron Rodgers in New York, the capital of the world in terms of entertainment and everything else, Honestly, Brady, I think a better quarterback for the New York Jets would be Derek Carr of the Raiders. He's young enough where you can build a team and continue to build a team around him. We know he can succeed as a football quarterback and make a team better. He's going to make those guys better because anybody other than Zach Wilson will make the Jets better. You don't have to worry about him retiring in one year or two years. He's going to be there because he's still young enough. I know Aaron Rodgers is the sexy pick, but if I'm the New York Jets, if you're going to move on from the Zach Wilson era and not the ERA, you bring a guy like Derek Carr, who I know can still play football, He's got talent on the outside led by Garrett Wilson. He's got an underrated offensive line. Brees Hall's coming back to run the football. That just makes the most sense to me to have that check mark next to Derek Carr's name, not so much Aaron Rodgers' name, no matter how sexy that could be. You know, Freddie, we're heading towards the NBA All-Star break. Celtics have not played that well in the last week or so, and they'll be taking on Brooklyn tonight. And I, I want to talk to you about the idea of load management. We talked last week about whether or not Jason Tatum should play less minutes because he's got the bum wrist. I heard Kyrie Irving's comments this past weekend about, you know, the idea of stars missing games. Where, where do you stand on load management in the NBA as a whole? I think players deserve to have rest once in a while. I clearly understand that. But when you put a polarizing term next to something, then it's going to get a polarizing reaction because people do not want to hear about load management when it comes to NBA players when the NFL doesn't do that when it comes to load management. I think there's a way that you could put it out there that you're going to rest your players here, there, and everywhere. But the players are taking full advantage of it. They know that the coach is not going to put them out there and play if that player does not want to play. That's the last thing you need is to have that kind of discord on your basketball team. So I think the term should be eliminated. If you're a coach, you want to rest your play, you say, hey, my guy's been going through it. He's really put it out there. I'm going to give him a day off. I'm going to give him a game off. Everybody goes through that in their job, but sometimes you just need a personal day. You need a day off to decompress and recharge your batteries. But when you put load management out there, it's the same thing, Brady, as when people say gun control. If you say gun responsibility, you get a different response. You say gun control, then people say you're trying to take something away. It's the way the wording is and the phrasing is that bothers a lot of people. If they say resting their players to get ready for the playoffs, I'm going to let them sit for a game or two, then nobody's having this outcry. 
When you say load management, the players take advantage of it, you get what you get if you're a player, if you're a coach, or if you're the NBA. What's interesting to me is, like, I, I get load management when you are – like, if you're a 20-year-old who's coming off a college season where you played 30 games and now you're playing 80, I get that you're going to break down and you need some extra time off. If you're an older guy like Al Horford, I could get you needing some extra days off. What bothers me is the sweet spot guys, the guys who are 23 to 28 who have been there and should have developed their routine already, they're the ones that bother me taking days off. I hear what you're saying, but remember this. People don't realize what a grind it is to play 82 games in an NBA season. I've advocated for the longest time, Brady. The NBA season should be no more than 70 to 72 games. If it was that length of a season in the regular season, we would not be having load management stuff because you're not playing as many games, even though it's going to be a grind at 70 to 72. It's not as bad as 82. But that's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that are going to be taken off the table, and no NBA owner is going to do that. So I clearly understand you're coming from the sweet spot guys between 23 and 28 years of age. But that doesn't mean that you don't want them to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Then they keep pushing and have nothing left in the playoffs. I think having a game off or a couple of games off here and there and maybe time off from practice would serve those sweet spot guys where they can be the sweet spot guys you're going to need in the playoffs when that happens. Freddie, it's not uh, it's not done yet, of course. We still have half the conference season to go, but UVM 6-2 and two in America East play, mm-hmm. sole possession of first uh-huh. place now. We're, uh-huh. I'm starting to get that feeling, Freddie. But see, Brady, once again, and I know you're a younger person than I am, but You'd pay attention to me if you know what's good for you because I told you when conference season starts, it's going to be a different deal, and Vermont is used to that in the American East. I know Brian got a lot of love, and I still think UMass Lowell may turn out to be the best team in the conference. They're the most athletic team in the America East. But conference play is so different, and that's why they had that schedule in the preseason, as I like to call it, playing those tough teams in the West Coast, playing those tough teams everywhere else. That's going to steal them for the conference season. So if anybody's surprised with the kind of culture – that Vermont is be able to create that they're six and two at the early part of the season in their conference schedule. Then you have been watching Vermont basketball for the last ten years because that's exactly what they've done. So everybody that's surprised, come on now. You've seen what Vermont basketball can do. You know what the catamount culture is. You should not be stunned that this team is in first place after eight games in the American East because they've done it before. They'll do it again. Well, I certainly hope that they do. I'm hoping for championship Saturday back at Patrick Jim. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights 9 p.m. Freddie, you're the best. Uh, I had 25 last Wednesday. Uh, I'll, t- I'll, uh-huh. let you, I'll let you know how things go tonight. We'll put it this way. You get 25 in a game, you don't have to answer any questions. <laughs> You've created enough solutions to any problem, so keep letting it fly. When you're wide open, don't hesitate. We'll do just that. Freddie, thank you. My pleasure, brother. Talk to you next week.